you have your Bibles, and you should have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start this morning what will be a series that will carry all the way through this year, and the title of the series is going to be By Faith. As you probably already know from being familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, that's the chapter that repeatedly uses by faith as a rhetorical device. And in that rhetorical device, walks through a lot of the Old Testament heroes of the, of the Old Testament and says, by faith this happened, by faith that happened, by faith this happened, and gives us that rhetorical device all the way through. And so Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter that we know is by faith, talking about the heroes of the faith. But before we go into Hebrews chapter 11, we kind of have to set it in its context. We have to understand exactly where it falls in the book of Hebrews. And so let me give you a little bit of an introduction to what we're going to do. You, you've got your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 11. If you were to glance right before in Hebrews chapter 10, you would see verses. Some verses that are encouraging, some verses that are very challenging to us, like verse 22 where it says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Verse 23, where it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is faithful. Verse 31, where it says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Verse 35, where we are encouraged to persevere, and it says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has such a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Verse 38, where it's quoting back to Habakkuk and the verse that is also quoted in Romans 1.17, but my righteous one shall live by faith. In verse 39, where the writer of the book of Hebrews says, but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And you see the very boldness in the stance there to say that we're going to persevere. We are going to stand by faith, even in the midst of trials, we are going to stand firm because we have a faith, and our faith is in Jesus Christ, and He's the real deal, and it's worth it. On the other side, in chapter 12, you have a similar theme, beginning in verse 3 where it talks about not growing weary. It says, consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What a great reminder about Christ resisting and how we still have more resisting that we can do. And so this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, falls on one side with warnings and with understanding that we have to persevere, and it falls on the end of it with warnings and with understanding that we have to persevere to resist against sin. And built inside of this perseverance is Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we have it bracketed on both sides with a discussion that we see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, with faith being described as the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen, for by it people of old received commendation. So we see faith and commendation. And then if you look at the end of chapter 11, in verse 39, you see all these things came through because they were commended through their faith. And so you see commendation and faith as the brackets that, de that define this very chapter where the writer of the author of Hebrews is going to walk through and give us by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Now, why does this matter to you? Because either right now, for some of you, 
or as soon as you have your first midterm, you're going to endure tribulation or persecution or trials. Maybe it's not midterms. Maybe it's finals. Maybe it's that one class where you have that one really hard professor that everybody knows is really difficult and you're not doing too well. And you're wondering if the major you've signed up for is going to be the major you stay in or are you going to go to some other major? Maybe it's that person you met at Getting Started Weekend that all of a sudden doesn't want to have anything to do with you about three weeks from now and tribulation of your soul kicks in. Maybe you get a phone call from home and there's a medical condition that takes place. Maybe next semester, next year, next two years, finances show up and you're wondering, what's going to happen? Am I still going to be here? Maybe it's after you graduate from Cedarville. You have great four years here and that would be awesome and you walk through and you graduate and you go into your job and you begin to go into the daily grind of a job without chapel at 10 o'clock every single day and all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, this is hard. This is not easy. Before I go down that road, maybe you're even right here right now and this is your first Bible conference. You are a freshman. And you walked into Cedarville and all of a sudden you saw people praising God last night with hands raised, singing loud. You see people worshiping and they're singing all the words and you're sitting back here like this going, these people are crazy. You know, we have a lot of freshmen that walk in the door their first year and they think we're crazy and the more they learn about God and the more they learn to love God, by the time they're juniors, they're the people that the freshmen are walking in the door saying, these people are crazy. Can you, can you testify to that, juniors and seniors? Was that you? Yeah. I got one amen. There's one person in the room identifying with that. The rest of you got to talk back to me now. You know, you know you're in here. You know that's happened. So let me ask this question. How many of you have had a struggle this year? Just this year? A sin issue? A situation in your family? A situation in your spiritual life? a situation with job, a situation with school, if you have had a struggle this year that you would define as a trying time, not, not necessarily that you've fallen into gross sin, I'm just saying a trying time that was tough. It was tough to walk through. If that happened to you this year, I want you to stand up right now. All right, I want you to look around the room. We have a handful of people still sitting. And that's because they weren't sure everybody else was going to stand up. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe they've had a great year, and praise God if you have. But look around. I'll look up in the balcony. Look all the way down the sides. Look all the way down. You know a lot of the people that are standing up, and you had no clue they went through deep waters last year. We're all right there. You can be seated. So what I want us to do this year as we walk through this chapter is to understand that this chapter is placed in the middle of trying times and trying times and of perseverance and of perseverance and of continuing on by faith because faith is really all that we have to grasp a hold to and it's the object we place our faith in that gives us trust and confidence and hope. And so that's my goal for you is that this year we walk through what it means to live the Christian life by faith. So what is faith? So where do you find out what everything is? We Google it, right? You got your phone. You know exactly. Don't Google it right now because you're not supposed to be on your technology doing things like that in chapel. So I Googled it for you. 
What is faith? 438,000 results in 0.30 seconds, according to Google. So today we're going to walk through all 400. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. (laughs) Is faith a song by George Michaels from 1987? How many of you even know the song from George Michaels? There's about 12 of us. No, there's about 50 of us in the room that know the song from George Michaels, 1987. I'm showing my age. Most of you weren't born in 1987. I understand that. How many of you have seen the clip from Indiana Jones where he walks out and he looks out that cavern and he puts that foot out? I'm not going to do it because there's not a stone walkway going across through here. That would be really bad for a first opening. It would be memorable. I mean, you get to talk about it. In four years, we'd be showing videos of it or something and I'd be in the hospital going through tribulation and trouble, right? So maybe it's a good illustration. How many of you have seen the movie, the Indiana Jones movie? That's right. It's by faith. Remember he says that. Now, what was his by faith? By the way, the George Michael song was about faith and having romance with a girl. That's not what we're talking about in this chapter, okay? Stepping out without seeing anything, is that, is that what we're talking about? Absolutely no confidence, no assurance, no anything. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Because we have God's sure word and we have God's testimony and we understand that there's a little more to faith than just taking a step out into what could be an abyss in your death. We're not talking about necessarily doing that. What about believing without questioning? A lot of people would say that's faith. A lot of people would also say that's crazy. So what are we talking about when we talk about faith? Here's here's our starting definition. Faith is confidence, trust, trustworthiness, reliability, or assurance. Faith is the general persuasion of the mind that a certain statement is true. Its primary idea is trust. A thing is true, therefore it's worthy of trust. We see in Habakkuk, Romans, and Hebrews, the righteous shall live by faith. And faith in our context and in this context is trust in God and in His Word. That's what faith is. We are going to trust in God and in His Word. And by the way, that's also the tagline for our school. It's for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we do. We trust in God and we trust in his word. And that's exactly what you need to see. Now, if you will stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word as we read Hebrews chapter 11, verses one through three. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Dear Lord, as we look at this, I pray that you would comfort those who are struggling, that you would challenge and convict those who need to be convicted. But most of all, Lord, I pray that you will be exalted as we look at your word and what it says and encouraging us to live by faith. We ask this in Jesus, our Savior's name, amen. And you may be seated. All right, so we start off with verse one. Verse one here says, now faith. So we've given a definition of faith. We understand what we're talking about. It's not blind trust. Faith is trust in God and trust in his word. So faith, trusting in God and his word is, and this first verse gives us two parallel statements, that it is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now this is a poetic element where you offset two similar statements and you're saying the same thing in two different ways. And so what the, by the way, the reason I keep saying the author to the book of Hebrews is because we're not really sure who wrote it. 
We don't know if Paul wrote it. We don't know if Luke wrote it. We don't know if Barnabas wrote it. We don't know if somebody else wrote it. And for our purposes, it's not important who wrote it. It's inspired. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It's included in the book. And so I'll refer to the author. If I mess up every now and then and say Paul or Luke, then you'll just have to forgive me because uh, I read too many commentaries that make that assumption. And so here you will see faith described. Assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. And so you've got parallel statements where assurance is similar to conviction. Things is repeated in both sections and hoped for and not seen. That's our parallel statements. What does that mean? Do you ever put faith in something that you can't know 100% for sure exactly what it is, but you kind of believe it's, it's going to happen, it's going to be true? I think you do. I think we do it all the time. Have any of you ever gone to the doctor and you visit the doctor and he takes out his pen and he writes in a scribble and hands you a slip of paper? What's on that slip of paper? You don't have a clue. There are three people in the room that understand what was written. They teach in the pharmacy school. All the rest of us look at it and number one, we can't read it. The writing looks like scribble. And number two, even if we could read it, we don't know what that is. But we take that slip of paper and we go and we drive to CVS or Walgreens or wherever you wanna go and we hand this to a person behind the counter and the person behind the counter looks at this, deciphers the hieroglyphics that are on this sheet of paper, walks back into a room and comes out with a bottle of pills. And they tell you, take this and you will be better. And we take a bottle of pills and we still don't know what it is, even though it's typed on the label in the front. But it tells us, take this, and it tells us how to take it. And we take those bottles of pills and we go back home. And what do we do? We take bottles of pills. Because somebody that we trusted told us that's what we needed to do to get better. And we know that there's a system set up that's built so that if they do things wrong often enough, they're going to go to jail. They're not going to have that job anymore. And so we're trusting based on evidence, based on assurance, based on conviction of things that are happening. You do this all the time too. How many of you drive with a GPS in your car? How many of you use your iPhones, even though you shouldn't be using your iPhone and usually use it in your lap, which is really dangerous. So you've got to figure out something. If you're like me and you go a lot of places that you've never been, you have the GPS up on the screen and you don't trust it. And so you have the iPhone sitting down on the bottom and you're watching both of them at the same time, making sure they match up because you're usually running right on time and you don't have time to take a wrong turn because that would be a bad thing. And so I've got both of them there, but what happens? I plug an address in, I plug it into both of them. So I'm, I'm untrusting to some degree, but I plug it into both of them and it tells me to start turning. And what do I do? I turn and I go little bit faster than the speed limit, but I turn and I go, and then I turn and then I go, and then I turn and then I go. And eventually I get to my destination more often than not, right? How many of you use GPS? You have faith. You're trusting. Some of you put faith in Cedarville University by showing up to come to school here, that we're going to train you and we're going to educate you and we're going to equip you so that when you graduate, you're going to do great things. And that's faith. And what it says here is that now faith but this faith is not in a GPS. This faith is not in a doctor with a white coat on because they fail and the GPS fails and that's why I have my iPhone. And it's not in other human beings. This faith that it's talking about in verse chapter 12, verse one and two, we learn is in Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so we're putting our faith in God. It's this faith. It's trusting God and his word that is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now the word assurance, 
How many of you out there use the ESV? Just raise your hand so I can kind of get a gauge to know. How many of you use the New King James? How many of you use the NIV? How many of you use the Holman Christian Standard Version? Some of you are wondering, what in the world is that? Uh, how many of you use the New Living Translation? Uh, very few. Okay. How many of you use another, tra- the NASB? Amen. We got an amen on the NASB. This is a good semester. All right. Uh, did I skip any? I don't think so. I So the majority looks like use the ESV or the New King James Version. I'll try to give you some of the differences here, but in this one, look at the variety of different words that are utilized. Assurance in the ESV and the NASB. Substance in the New King James. Reality in the Holman Christian Standard. Confidence in the NIV and the New Living Translation. So what all of those words are saying is it's talking about the assurance, the substance, the reality, the confidence of things hoped for. In the New Testament, this word is used only five times in the noun form. It occurs twice in Corinthians, three times in Hebrews. And so here what we're talking about is the believer is assured of receiving that which is not yet present, but which is promised by God. So you understand what assurance is. We kind of got that concept in our mind. Assurance of things hoped for. Conviction. What is the conviction? Well, the conviction, if you use ESV or New American Standard, evidence, if you use New King James, proof, if you use HCSB, or assurance, if you use NIV or New Living Translation, which is just confusing because assurance was the word that the others used for the first, and NIV and NLT is using it for the second. And so you see that this is a redundant statement to some degree, though. Assurance, conviction. If you flip chapters and flip versions in the middle of the verse, you could have assurance and assurance. It's the assurance of things that we hope for. It's the conviction of things that we don't see. When we think about the word conviction, what do we think about? Think about CSI and evidence, right? That's what comes to mind. If you have a conviction, you have evidence. What we're talking about when we talk about faith is not a blind faith. It's a faith that's built off of the word of God it's a faith that goes back to Genesis and as we look and as we come forward and part of what he's setting the stage for here is that when we talk about by faith, by faith, by faith and we see all these Old Testament saints, we're gonna have additional evidence which increases our faith. We're gonna understand that the word of God is true and it's sure and that the prophecies of the Old Testament, what God said he was gonna do, he did. What God promised was gonna happen, happened. And all along the way, for all of these people who put their faith in Christ, they saw and they believed and they did incredible things for God and their faith was not wasted. Their faith was not placed in the wrong object. Faith was placed in the right object. And that should encourage our faith so that when we go through those difficult times, bracketed by trials and tribulations, when we go through those difficult times, it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we can keep going, that we can stand firm and that we we can persevere. It's by faith that we have assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. Things hoped for. Think about the list. Noah hoped the boat would float. He never built a boat before. It had never rained before. God said build a boat and he built the boat. And when it rained and the waters came, the boat floated. Some of you this semester are gonna build a boat. (laughs) 
and all the rest of us are gonna watch to see if it floats. <laughs> so when you get out there on that lake and you are truly hoping with all hope that your boat floats, you can identify with Noah. You're there. Abraham left and hoped for a city that had foundations whose designer and builder was God. Some of you left and came a really long way. Who came the farthest? 550 miles from? Delaware. Oh, you're not the farthest. 2,500 miles from? Washington State. You might get the farthest in the continental U.S., but you're not the farthest. Who came from overseas and thinks they came from the farthest away? Where'd you come from? Guam. Don't Google it, okay? Where? Thailand. Some of you came from a really long way away. India. There you go. On the hope that this is a good place. Now, guess what? If you came from India thinking this was a good place and two weeks into it, you find out it's not, you're in trouble. I mean, you can't, you can't just jump in the car and go home. That, that doesn't work unless you've got some really crazy car that I want to ride in. But think about Sarah. Sarah hoped that God would help her conceive. She laughed. We all know the story. Abraham hoped that God would raise Isaac from the dead because that was his faith as he was going to sacrifice him. Moses put his hope in the reproach of Christ as a greater wealth than all of Egypt. And so think about what Moses gave up. I'm not going to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm going to trust in the reproach of Christ because I hope one day there's going to be another land coming. Think about the things not seen. And this is just in verse one of this chapter. Enoch did not see death because he put his faith in God. God is not seen himself, but verse six tells us it's by faith that we must believe he exists in order to draw near to God. Verse seven, Noah warned of events yet unseen. Noah, it's gonna rain. God, what's that? Just trust me. It's gonna get wet. Build a boat. A really, really big boat. Unseen. Abraham went to a place he didn't know where he was going. Verse 13, they died. Now think about it. Abraham left. A lot of these people went their way. They died and they still hadn't seen what God had promised was coming. It's faith. Hebrews 11, 2 says this. So we move from a description of the faith there in verse one to now the reward of the faith in verse two. For by it, people of old received their commendation. So people in the Old Testament received their commendation. What is Commendation. Commendation is a passive word, but it's the word marturio, which means witness if you put it in the active, but it's in the passive, and it occurs in the passive seven times in the book of Hebrews, and it occurs four times in Hebrews chapter 11 as receiving commendation as a passive uh, deal. And so received commendation, obtained good testimony, gained approval, won God's approval, were commended for or under good reputation. And there's some controversy here as whether they gained the good reputation through God's word, such as being written up in Hebrews chapter 11 or from God. I think they're one in the same. I don't think there needs to be a dichotomy here. And so these people by their faith, living by faith, gained a good reputation. They were commended. They, it was their faith that allowed God to look on them and say to them, well done. Now, there's a very important point here for us. 
What if this verse said, because they did incredible feats, they were commended by God? That would be a works-based salvation, right? What if it said, because they were of a certain lineage, they were commended by God? That means wherever you're born, wherever your parents are, that's what's important. But that's not what it says. It says it's by faith. It's by trusting in God and his word that they were commended. And so how can you be commended before God? Well, there's only one way, and we're going to learn it by the time we get to verse 6, is that it's by faith. There is no other way to come to God than by faith. So some of you have shown up here today. It's your first chapel service. You think half of us are crazy excited about things and you're wondering what in the world's going on here and we're gonna talk to you about things like the Holy Spirit living within you if you're a believer in Christ and the Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that wrote God's word, was an inspirer of the people who wrote God's word and that that Holy Spirit can help you understand God's word and so the most important things you can do is learn to walk by the Holy Spirit, to walk with God, allow the Spirit to lead you, to convict you so that you can repent, so that he can guide your life, so that he can allow you to understand God's word as you read it, as you learn more about God, then you love God more. And when we talk about that, you're sitting back there going, what? I don't, I don't quite get this. You came out of a church background, perhaps, where if you were a good person, if you went to Sunday school, if you went to church, if you went to RAs, GAs, Awanas, Team Kid, whatever you called it, that was good. If you walked down the front and you shook the pastor's hand, If you prayed a prayer, the magic prayer, you were saved. If you went in the magic waters and were dipped under the waters and came back up, then you were saved. You're not even sure what you were saved from, but you were saved. And then after you were saved, there was this legalistic long list of things that you had to do and another list of things you couldn't do. And that's what people told you Christianity was. That's not what this verse says. It says they were commended by faith. And that means the way that you were saved, the way that you have a relationship with Christ, and it's very simple, is that you repent of your sins and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Two elements. You have to understand you're a sinner. You repent of those sins. You put your faith and trust in Christ. And by repenting and putting your faith and trust in Christ, that's what we call conversion. That's what we call going from being unreconciled to God to being reconciled to God. That's what we call being saved because you're saved from condemnation at that point. And so if you're here right now and you're in this audience and you're listening and you're not sure there's ever been a time in your life where you have recognized your own sinfulness and repented of those sins and recognized that Jesus was who he said he was and put your faith in God and your trust in God, then what I want to tell you is that is the most important decision you can make while you're at Cedarville University. That is the most important decision you can make today. That is the most pressing decision, period, is that you repent of your sins, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Everything else we talk about makes no sense if you're not a believer and don't understand what Jesus did for you on the cross. Your sin, and we all have it, was reconciled when Christ died and paid the penalty as your substitute on the cross so that you could then be reconciled to the God who created you, who redeemed you, and who will one day set it all right. Do you understand that this morning? Here's what it says faith does. Faith placed in Jesus Christ is to be commended. For by it, people of old. So here's a slight theological issue. 
You say, how were Old Testament people say before Jesus died on the cross? They looked forward to Jesus on the cross. We look back to Jesus on the cross. And so all people who have been saved are being saved or have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. They look forward with anticipation. We look back because uh, we understand that that was the accomplished feat. And the book of Hebrews tells us that, that he accomplished it. And when it was finished, he sat down at the right hand of God, the father. That was the once for all sacrifice. So maybe you thought, maybe you went to a camp and it was really excited at the camp. You got up around the stage and you jumped up and you were hollering and everything was exciting. You were pumped. And you go, I want to hang out with people like that. So I'm going to go to a Christian university. And you walk in the doors of a Christian university and you wonder, what does this mean? And what I want you to get right up front is if you don't have Jesus in your heart, what we're doing here is not going to mean anything to you. You're going to think we're crazy because you don't understand it. And so I plead with you, examine your own heart. See if there's been a time in your own heart where you were convicted of your own sin and you repented of that sin and you put your faith and trust in Christ. And what that means is you were walking down one way and you said, I'm not going this way anymore. You repented and you turned and you began to follow Christ. That's the most important thing you can do. You say, wait a second, he's sharing the gospel on the first day of class at Cedarville University. Absolutely. You say, wait a second, if I get saved on the first day of class, are people going to think I'm weird? No. We are going to be so thrilled and excited and we are going to be so pumped that we are going to celebrate with you and we're going to wrap our arms around you and we're going to say welcome as a brother or sister in Christ and we are going to give praise to God for the great things that he has done, not that we have done. And so if you don't know him, know him. There is no better place in the world to get saved than right here, right now. You're not promised anything else. I plead with you, examine your own heart. And if you have questions, any professor at this school will stop class on the first day of class and explain the gospel to you. I promise you they'll do it. They will meet with you in their office to talk with you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will be down front afterwards to talk with you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're unsure, that is the most important decision. All right, I gotta move on because my time's going. Verse three. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Just think about this verse. He starts us off and it's really, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it's incredible the way he starts off. He wants to get the reader to join in. And so he knows he's gonna give a big, huge list of Old Testament saints. And a lot of times we look at them and we go, oh, they're the heroes. But he's joining all of us into the discussion right here at the very front, where in verse three, he says, by faith, we understand. And that faith that we have is linked to the faith that they had. It's the same faith because it's in the same Jesus and we have the same God. And so we have faith. We believe and we trust in God and in his word. And by faith, we understand that the universe, time, space, matter, everything that we see, the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Remember back to verse one, it's the conviction of things not seen. Here he says, it's by faith that we understand that things that were never seen, God spoke his word and they came into existence. 
Now, I really wish the word for word here was logos because then I could have a great preaching time going back to John 1, 1 and back to Genesis 1. But the word here is not logos, it's Rema, so I can't do that without twisting it. But you all understand Jesus was there in the beginning. You understand the Trinity. You understand that God with his word spoke and created things out of nothing that now it's seen. And it's by faith that we understand that. It's by faith that we accept that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and is coming back. We have evidence. You have argumentation. You understand that if the Romans took him, they would have put him on display to say, don't go against Rome, that if the Jews took him, they would have put him on display to say, don't be a blasphemer or the heretic. If the disciples took him and took him out of the grave, then they wouldn't have all died a martyr's death except for John. So you understand that there's evidence, but we also understand we didn't see it, we weren't there, it's by faith. And the more faith we're gonna have when we learn God's word more, it will increase and it will deepen. And as we walk with God and we see his faithful hand, and that's what we have to do is continue on and press on and persevere by faith as our faith deepens and as our faith increases. All right, let me, let me wrap up with this. This year, we're going to see several different themes. This year, we're going to walk through and we're going to see a lot of themes throughout this book. So here's your, here's your foreshadowing. Here's your preview of what you're going to see. You're going to see that living by faith does not always result in prosperity. Think about the list. Abel. What did Abel do? He died. How many of you say, sign me up, I want to be like Abel? Don't raise your hand. We like having, that's a bad retention model. We like having you as students here, right? <laughs> Abel died, but yet even though he died, it was by his faith that he still speaks. You want to be like Abel? Think about it. Noah. I want to be like Noah. They made a movie about Noah. It wasn't a very good movie about Noah, but they made a movie about Noah. Very little biblical truth in it, and they made Noah out to be a crazy guy, and I don't know where they got Tubal Cain and some of that type of stuff from, but anyway, if you haven't seen it, don't worry about it. I want to build a boat for 120 years that people think is a fortress because they've never seen rain, and I'm going to tell them rain's coming. And as I tell them rain's coming, they're all going to look at me like I'm kooky and crazy, but it's going to be okay because eventually great things are going to happen. And so when he gets on that boat, he gets on that boat and he has all these great converts, right? Wrong. It's him, it's his family, and it's his son's wives, and then it's a whole bunch of animals. Do you want to sign up for a lifelong worth of ministry like Noah? It's a man of faith. Think about Joseph. I want to be sold into slavery by my brothers who rejected me, and then I want to have an unjust persecution and go to jail for something I didn't even do. When I did the right thing, they put me in jail for doing the wrong thing, and I want to sit there until it all ends up working out. How many of us would have been bitter after the first event or after the second event and never have stayed truly faithful to God to see the end where the good things happened to Joseph? Think about Moses. I want to do incredible things and lead people to the promised land and go up on the mountain and look and then be told you can't go in. Somebody else gets to do that. Sign me up. We look at the next principle. It says living by faith does not require supernatural powers. They are normal, sinful men and women just like us. Here's what I want you to get this year. God can use you to do amazing things. Do you know why? Because it's not about you and it's not about me. 
It's about the awesome God we serve, the greatness of his grace, the greatness of his majesty. And every now and then, God will reach down and grab a guy like Peter who has foot and mouth disease. He will grab a guy who's a fisherman and uneducated and everybody knows it. And he will put him up and he will do great things through him so that when everybody sees it, they say, it's not him, it's God. And God can do the same thing with us if we're willing to be used by him. You think about the list. Just look at the list. Noah. What did Noah do after he got off the boat? Got drunk. It's a violation of our community covenant here. That won't work. Can't be like Noah there. Think about Abraham. Abraham went around telling everybody his wife was a sister because he didn't have enough faith. He was kind of scared something bad might happen to him. God might not protect him. And then when he was told he was going to have a son of promise, they tried to figure out in their own logic how to make that happen. So he decided to sleep with one of the servants instead of waiting on God to provide the promise in his own time. You ever got busy and tried to force things that you wanted to happen instead of waiting on God to make it happen? Like that ring by spring begins to come to mind and you always think, I got to do this. And and, and instead of sitting back and saying, God... You created me and I can be perfectly content in you and I don't need anything to make me any better than what you give me in your timing and in your pleasure. We try to force things. You ever been there identifying with Abraham there when he made a mistake? Maybe, maybe not. Sarah, you're going to have a child. Just laughs at God. You ever laughed at God? Think about Isaac. He had favorites. Think about Jacob. He deceived his dad. And it was a pretty big deception too, right? It's not just we're going to have mom make some stuff and she's going to lie to dad. We're going to go so far as we're going to put on my brother's clothes and we're going to put on hair so that we... It was a huge deception. And then he even stole the birthright. Think about Moses who went out and said, I'm taking justice into my own hands and I'm going to kill that guy and became a murderer. And then he shows up at a burning bush and God says, I'm going to do great things. And Moses goes, God, I'm not that good of a speaker. Can you send somebody else? God, I'm not sure I want to sign up for this assignment. Can you send somebody else? Think about Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute. And God used her to do amazing things, and she's in Hebrews 11. Think about Gideon, who lacked faith when God said, I will tear down this entire army. I will take it out with one person. And he said, could you send a few more with me? And so they sent 300 in, and they did it. And then at the end of his life, he he turned over to materialism because he's sinful just like we are. Think about Barak who was a man who was in this listed because he went to war and he defeated a great army. And in, in the chapter where you look back at Judges, you realize that Deborah was the one that had to encourage Barak and challenge him and say, hasn't God already told you to go to war? He's already given you the victory. What are you doing sitting around here? Go to war. Now that's just funny because Deborah's name means honeybee and Barak's name means lightning. And so the honeybee told lightning, get to it and go to war. And lightning says to the honeybee, I'll go if you go with me. (laughs) How many of us are there? You lack faith and you get scared. Think about Samson. How many of you say, I'm going to walk in Samson's footsteps? Come on, please don't, all right? But we look at the heroes of the faith and we see they're normal, sinful human beings just like us. So welcome back, normal, sinful human beings. And all the students, too. (laughs) You get it. You you look at a professor in a classroom in the front sometimes, and you think they got it all together. No, we don't. 
We still have not reached perfection. We still are striving and struggling day after day to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, to lean to God and to His grace, and we have struggles just like you have struggles. And if you looked around this room, you saw faculty and staff standing just as often as you saw students standing. We are all in this together. We're normal people relying upon God's grace, and it's by His grace and by faith that we can do amazing things for God, and that's what I want us to do this year, amazing things for God, because He is worthy of the glory glory and deserves the praise. And so we're going to live a life by faith. Living a life by faith requires laying aside every weight that clings so closely. This is going to be the last sermon that we'll get to in the spring is chapter 12, where it says, because we have such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, doesn't witnesses ring a little different after you hear the conviction of things not seen? We have a great cloud of witnesses. Now, I'm going to burst your bubble a minute. Those cloud of witnesses are not up there right now looking down on us because we're doing something so great. I'm pretty sure they're a little more preoccupied with Jesus than they are what's happening in chapel at Cedarville University. I would be too. But they're an incredible cloud of witnesses that have lived a life by faith that witness and testify to the greatness of God and the grace of God and the surety of his word. And those witnesses provides us with conviction so that we then can do what it says here, which is lay aside every weight which clings so closely. Lay aside every sin which clings so closely. We get rid of the weights that are slowing us down. We get rid of the sin that are clinging to us closely and we shake them off. And then we run with endurance looking to Jesus who's the author and perfecter of our faith. And then this year, living by faith is what's required to please God. It's not anything else. It's living by faith. It's not a 4.0. It's not an org. It's not a church service. It's not anything else. It's not how smart you are. It's not how pretty you are. It's not what your weight is. It's not whether somebody thinks you're cool. It's not how much you can bench press. It's not how good an athlete you are. It's not how winsome you are, how many friends you have, or how many invites you get to go to something. You please God by faith. And that's ultimately the only thing that matters or means anything. Now, we're going to sing here in just a minute. But before we do, let me ask everybody in the room just to Close your eyes and bow your heads here for just a moment. Now, I'm just wondering if there's somebody in the room this morning that you would say, you know, as I've sat here and listened, I realize and I've been convicted by the Holy Spirit that I have not truly repented of my sin and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And today, I want to right now do that. And so right now, I'm going to ask the Lord to forgive me. I'm going to ask the Lord to save me. And I'm going to live by faith for Jesus. If there's anybody in the room right now that you would say, that's you, would you just raise your hand up? Anywhere all across the auditorium, just raise your hand up. Keep your hand raised. See one here? See another? Okay, let me pray for you right quick. Dear Lord, I pray that you would be with these who have decided that today is the day that will be the day of salvation, that they will repent of their sins and follow you. God, I pray that you would just give them the assurance of knowing that you are God and that once we are saved, we are saved. 
Father, I pray that you would work in their life and that you would move in their life to allow them to come to an assurance and a conviction of their faith and to live for you. Lord, I thank you for their obedience this morning. Before you open your eyes, raise your heads. Let me ask this question. How many of you would say right now, I have weights I need to lay aside. I have sin issues I need to get rid of that are clinging closely. And I want to start the semester off right. And so right now, right here, I'm going to make a commitment that I want to live for Jesus by faith this year. And I want this year to be the year that he is real to me and that I live for him. And so I am right now, by the raising of my hand, saying that I have made an inward decision to live this year by faith for Jesus Christ and I'm getting rid of the sin issues holding me back and I'm getting rid of the weights and we are gonna do this for Jesus, looking to Jesus. Raise your hand up real high so I can pray for you all across the auditorium. We have hands up. With that hand, you're saying, I'm gonna live by faith. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, you know we're just sinful men and women. And God, we plead to the mercy of the cross and we plead to your grace. And Lord, Lord, we just wanna glorify you. We wanna live for you. And so Lord, help us to do the things we need to do to be in that position. Lord, help us to resist temptation. Help us to learn more about you so that we can love you more. Help us to do so out of a love for you, Lord, and not out of legalism. God, help us at this university just to glorify you and lift you up, not looking for our own credit, but Lord, looking to give you the praise because you are worthy of our praise. And God, it is our prayer that you would be lifted up. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.